What possible harm can there be in listening to a podcast of spurious morality? Hello and welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. Uh, you're joining us today for the short trips episode where me and a couple of other spodcasters will talk about some of our favourite short trips from Big Finish. Uh, with me I have Holly. Hello. And I have uh, other Tom. Hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other Tom decided that you were other Tom. That, that sentence made sense. That's fair. I I have been branded. You've been branded yeah. other Tom. <laughs> I'll accept other Dave, yeah. other Dave lasted longer than Dave, right? In science that of is life. true. That is yeah. very true, and yeah, I'll stick to that. You're you're the Tom that will last longer. So that's that's a positive, I suppose. To take away. Anyhow, we are here to talk <laughs> about Big Finish short trips, uh, a sort of fantastic diverse and sometimes strange range really uh, really good for exploring certain characters and ideas um, and we've picked a few favourite releases and we're just going to sort of chat about them a little bit um, so the spoiler warning would be Big Finish Short Trips uh, we're specifically going to talk about a couple each but we'll let you know what they are before we sort of fly off into them but yeah generally as a as a rule if you don't want short trip spoiling then maybe avoid um so i'm just going to ask you guys very very quickly what your favorite short trip of them all is so tom you go first favorite of them all is such a big question for such a diverse sort of range because they're doing so many different things i think them for me perhaps the one that i was uh, so excited about almost upon announcement and release was the uh jager and lightfoot revival just because it was a completely felt really fresh it was both a sort of spiritual sort of sequel to the uh, mahogany murders the companion chronicle and also combining jager and lightfoot with the tenth doctor so you've got that kind of new series which is still quite a novelty for big finish when that was sort of announced that element crossing over is such a strong classic world. Um, they're both great narrators, and that was such a great little story to listen to. And of course, you got the sort of surprise Eleventh Doctor appearance as well, didn't you? It did. It did. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I sort if of I... picked up where that was going a little bit before it was announced, or not announced, but revealed, and that sort of made the whole 
sort of experience a bit more exciting that moment when you lean in and realize there's so much more going on here than you first thought because if i if i remember correctly it was announced with 10th doctor but not with the 11th so it really was a just as you're listening through it oh hang on a minute a bow tie that's right moment yeah uh now very very good release uh holly what about you um well i mean i agree with tom that it's it is such a diverse range, which is like part of the, the strength of it. I, I love short trips. Um, so it's really hard to narrow it down to one, but like gun to my head, if I could only ever listen to one ever again, it's got to be uh, a full life with um, Matthew Waterhouse. It's uh, amazing. And I will talk about it more later because it's one of my, it's one of my picks, but uh, yeah, it's incredible. So one of my favorite stories, um, actually one of my picks as well is I am the master um, which was written and performed by Jeffrey Beavers as the master. Um, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's for the most part, it's very much just the master telling the listener about how to, you know, if you're bored and you have a spare couple of hundred years, how to take over a planet. Um, and he does, he goes in and he sort of embeds himself into society and, starts essentially getting this planet to wipe itself out from within, destroy the ecosystem, uh, genetically modify food animals, all that kind of thing. Um, it also gets a bit meta as well. There's a bit where um, he talks about being in a recording booth, um, sort of announcing things to the planet, and you as the listener are somebody on this planet. And there's even a little sort of amusing bit about um, how the lunches at the recording studio are really good. Um, so it's it's a very witty script. It's a very clever script. Um, and Jeffrey Beavers does just sort of eat, sleep and breathe the master completely. Sort of carries the role perfectly. And then um, sort of towards the end, the Doctor shows up and it's really just the Doctor showing up that ends it. The Master kind of goes, oh, the Doctor's here now, that's ruined it, bored of this planet, I'm off. And it turns out that all along he's been kind of slowly hypnotising anyone that's listening to him. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a pretty good story. Have either of you guys heard it? I have. Have you, Tom? I have. Which have means we're all under the spell. <laughs> we are all under the spell uh, Tom what did you think? I thought it was brilliant it starts off with such a kind of conversational lament from the master and he's like the sort of character that can be very shallow um, you know he turns up he does evil for the sake of evil and there doesn't need to be more to him than that that's not why the character was designed obviously other stories have given him that depth but at the end of the day I think this is the master who does evil because that's just what he does in the same way the doctor helps people because that's who that character is. Um, hearing the master have a bit of a whinge about how it's not fair that good always triumphs over the evil in this world. It's a quite a darkly optimistic and very Doctor Who outlook on the world where the bad guys just can't even be happy because they're never going to win. Um yeah, that's the sort of like first half of the episode before the kind of plot stuff picks up. And I think that's possibly the strongest part of it. Um, just hearing from, uh, hearing the master tell his side of the story, which is 
I think it's just a thrill to listen to. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, the whole thing really is just about him kind of enjoying being a nasty piece of work. He's aware that he's evil. He's aware that he's being horrible, and he's doing it just for the the sake of it, really, because he's a bit bored. Um, Holly, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I I I really enjoyed the conversational tone that you're talking about, and it is it is a very witty script as well. Um, but also, like the atmosphere, it's kind of it is probably like eerie in, in places when he's um, uh, you know, talking about how he's kind of getting in, in your head a little bit as you're listening. It's kind of slightly predictable, but also it, Beavers is just it's so good in that role, but it's still really like kind of unsettling as you're listening. Um, so yeah, I I I really enjoy it. I found it. I found on, on this re-listen slightly depressing, like how easy it is for him to just just corrupt a whole planet. It feels weirdly close to home at the moment, but um, otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Yeah, definitely a favourite. Uh, the other one that I've picked for us to discuss today is um, Erasure, which is, as far as I'm aware, the only short trip uh, about Narvin, who's uh, become a sort of big Finnish favourite over the years. Um, it's read by Sean Carlson, and it's about sort of a, a junior Narvin's early encounter with the Doctor, his first encounter with the Doctor. In this case, it's the fourth Doctor and Adric, somewhere between Traken and Legopolis. And um, it's sort of, as it unfolds, you kind of get that it's a story about lots and lots of very, very terrible and epic things being done. It's actually very, very huge in scale for a sort of 40-minute short trip. Um, and it's sort of... It's essentially just Narvin confessing his sins regarding the Doctor to a unconscious Leela. Um, and it sort of culminates with the revelation that Narvin and Romana, and Romana has a very, very small cameo at the end, um, did something that would be so unforgivable to Leela that if she actually, you know, if she was conscious, if she found out about it, um, she'd never forgive them. So it's it's a particularly dark story, um, and it kind of just comes up out of nowhere how large a scale it is. Um, what are your thoughts on that one, Tom? So I'm not too well versed in the Gallifrey sort of side of Big Finish. Um, most of the sort of interactions been through other ranges. So I've had um, I've heard Marvin in making appearances in the Warmaster series. Uh, in the I think it's the most recent at this point, um, New Adventures of Bernie Summerfield, um, where in last episode of Gallifrey and. Maybe this is just from where I'm coming from. It's not a character that I've particularly gelled with. He's um, written to be a kind of bureaucrat alternative to the Doctor. Um, so he's a sort of, even in this story, he turns up, he doesn't want to have a fun Doctor Who adventure. He wants to do everything by the book. And the story is about him kind of learning to sort of be okay being a bit more a bit more doctorish um and that's quite a satisfying journey to be involved in um 
but I guess what really sort of stands out about the story is how much it works as a kind of taster for that sort of side of the company's output. Um, this is a good induction to the character. You get to understand his dynamics through with characters such as Leela, even though she doesn't say a single word. Um, and Romana has quite a strong presence by the end. That the story is like a yeah, a little palette, a little taster of what the what Gallifrey is at Big Finish. Um, and I quite like that using the that this range can be used as a sort of spotlight on these different areas, um, just to sort of show off what the company can do. It's um, quite interesting what you say about the character of Narvin, really. I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, the Gallifrey stuff at Big Finish and a bit of a spoiler for Gallifrey coming up. But um, Narvin starts off as quite a quite a nasty character. He's definitely an antagonist for the first season or so, season or two. And over time, him and Romana become, and him and Leela, become a lot, lot closer uh, but it does take a while to get there, and he is a character that genuinely develops. And uh, if you've listened to all of Gallifrey, it's very, very difficult to not kind of really fall in love with this character. And at this point, I'm as invested in Narvin as I am Romana and Leela. Um, and I'm glad that it's been revealed he's returning in the new sort of set of Gallifrey stuff which starts in the not too distant future in fact it might even be out before this episode <laughs> he's a expertly he's an expertly played character Sean Carlson's like brilliant in the role and um, just sort of playing this different sort of levels where he is snide and he is a little bit bitchy and he doesn't want to um be the doctor's friend that that he shines in that and you sort of see the other side of things through the framing device of where he is further down the line. Um, I don't know if it's stated or elsewhere, but it very much felt like this was mid-time war. Something going on, big catastrophic events. Um, yeah, so you sort of really get to compare and contrast Narvin, the narrator, to the character within the story. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's nice to get a glimpse into sort of younger Narvin as well, because by the time we meet him in Gallifrey, he's already the head of the CIA, and we've never seen anything of that journey up before. Uh, Holly, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Narvin is probably the strength of this story for me. Um, I haven't heard the Time War stuff, but I love I love the rest of Gallifrey. I love Narvin. Um, like you say, I think it's hard not to if you've if you've stuck with Gallifrey. Um, and yeah, I think I think the story in, in this is actually fairly straightforward, but I I really like the characterization of, of Narvin and the, the young Narvin as well. I think it's done really well. Like he feels he feels very distinct from the from the Narvin that we know from Gallifrey and also from this framing device. But he also feels very much like the same character. Um, which is a hard thing to do, I think. And it's it's the writing and the performance really sells it. Um, and I also really like the um, characterization of season 18, Tom in this. I think they, I think they nail it. Like just the right levels of grumpy and funny when he wants to be, but also capable of being 
genuinely quite intimidating and scary. Um, so yeah, it's. I think the story is very straightforward, but I I love it for for Narvin and for the Doctor in this. Oh, I'm glad it's one that we've all enjoyed. It it was one of the very first short trips I ever heard, and I very I deliberately sought it out because. Narvin was in it and I, I wanted at that point I was trying to sort of listen to everything connected to the Gallifrey range um, and yeah it's it's a nice little sort of extra character piece for an already sort of really well established and really well developed character it's a joy to listen to um, alright let's let's hand over to Holly then what are your picks what short trips have you picked well, I only I only just realised this, like, as you were saying yours, but it feels like you've gone quite kind of large-scale sort of stories, and I've basically done the opposite. Um, I've gone quite quite um, small-scale, low-stakes-ish. I've got uh, A Full Life by Joseph Lidster and Flight into Hull also by Joseph Lidster because, frankly, he's uh, amazing and should do more. Thank you. <laughs> he, he is rather good. He is right, yes. Honorary opinion, but yeah. Very excited he's coming back yeah, for the uh, Ronnie box set. Yes, that is exciting. And two flipping right as well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really glad we're getting a Ronnie box set, but I'm really, really glad we're getting a Ronnie box set with a Joseph Litter episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go on then, talk to us a little bit about A Full Life. Well, it um, starts. It starts as what feels like quite an ordinary adventure. They they land on a planet with you know a traditional Doctor Who esque problem to solve, um, but it transpires that the only way to solve it is for the Doctor and Romana to sacrifice themselves, and they do. And it's like that's not a massive spoiler. It happens fairly early on, but then suddenly you're th- so you're thrown into this completely new territory of the Doctor and Romana are dead, and Adric is on his own. And the whole story just becomes a way to explore Adric, I think. Um, it, it really humanises him um, and does justice to him in a way that maybe the, sh- the TV show never never quite did. Um, so it becomes this really like quiet and, and gentle story about him just sort of getting on with life. But it's it's so involving. You get sucked in and you you forget. Well, I, I forgot, kind of, as, I'm, as I was listening, that the Doctor and Mana didn't always die in the middle of season 18 and you're just with Adric throughout this story as he lives as the title might suggest uh, a full life and I think I think within that there's a, a great use of the um, first person it's it can, which kind of comes and goes in the short trips doesn't it sometimes the first person sometimes the, the third person but it's almost like a companion chronicle at times I feel like the the intimacy of of this and then you obviously stop and think about it and you know that this is wrong and this isn't what happens to Adric so on top of all that you've got this underlying tension of we know he's he's going to lose everything that he's gained that we've heard him gain this this family and this life um so it's sweet and it's also it's bittersweet as well and I think I think Matthew Waterhouse is brilliant it's got to be one of his best performances uh as Adric and the other thing I love, um, really made amazing sound design, I thought, especially considering it's a short trip. I don't necessarily always notice that kind of thing, but it's 
it's really evocative. It helps just get you, as I say, you just get totally sucked into it. And um, yeah, and ultimately the, the ending, as was kind of inevitable, but that's kind of to its credit, really. The, the ending is really moving. Um, so yeah, I just think altogether it's just a really gorgeous chapter to have existing in the Doctor Who universe. It's kind of unlike anything else. I agree. It's it is a lovely piece, and really, it's one that you could only do with Adric, because um, obviously Adric's circumstances of departure from Doctor Who were relatively unique. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a really interesting kind of concept. Uh, have you heard it, Tom? What are your thoughts on it? I have. It's a brilliant story. Um, was a, I listened to it at the sort of time when I was watching the Blu-ray box sets. So I'd just done season 18 straight into season 19. And I was sort of splicing in a few choice audios here and there. Um, just sort of augment the sort of the listening, just the watching order. Um, so yeah, after Earthshock, I put on a full life. And it was this really kind of poignant coda. Um the actual TV series doesn't really address Adric's death very well. It's all very much, oh, he'd want us to have adventures, wouldn't he, Doctor? And they move on and not think about him ever again. Um, <laughs> so this was sort of like a kind of way just to sort of explore losing that character in a completely self-contained story. Um, yeah, you're very right when you sort of say it sounds like a companion chronicle and just that range was at its best when it was doing a really personal character driven story and giving a new level of depth to the sort of characters that you wouldn't necessarily get on screen um yeah joseph List is very good at that sort of thing um and this is absolutely one of the strengths of this short trips range um if there's only going to be like one release to prove what that range can do a full life would be it yeah yeah totally absolutely i'd agree uh and your other choice holly was flight into hull it was um also by joseph Lidster, read by camille kaduri as jackie who is basically not basically she is she is my absolute favorite non-Doctor or companion character in the entirety of Doctor Who. I, I love her so much. I think she's kind of unlike any other character we've, we've got in the Doctor Who universe in that she really she really isn't like <laughs> companion material. You you couldn't you couldn't hang a traditional Doctor Who adventure around her, I, I don't think. And this isn't that. This is kind of about the fact that she is the kind of person who uh, works in the cantina unit and knows that the doctor doesn't like Dirk in, in his in his burger and all that kind of stuff. But it's about um, it's 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 about the importance of her in those people's lives, um, not in spite of the fact that she is not necessarily companion material because of it. Um, so as, as someone who is a huge fan of her, I, I really appreciated that, that element to this. And also, uh, 
it's a really great exploration of the Metacrisis Doctor, which I don't think we quite got on TV. Um, I love Journey's End, but I feel like there just wasn't space in that episode, which is a, it's a busy episode, um, yeah, to necessarily explore exactly what it means to be the Doctor who is born in Bethel. And, like, I think, yeah, I think, I think this does a really good job of exploring that and... Again, a bit, a bit like a full life, humanizing, humanizing him and showing you um, a new side to him and and the dynamic that he has with Jackie and we get a really great sense of the dynamic that he has with Rose, even though she's not she's not in these. Um, so yeah, as as a <laughs> basically as a huge fan of Jackie and the rest of the Davis era, this ticked a lot of boxes. But I also think it's it's a really great story in its own right and. Uh, very, very funny in places, as you'd expect from a Jackie-focused story. I think, as you say, it, it does do an excellent job of covering some, you know, uh, previously uncovered ground, perhaps even a missed opportunity to sort of further explore the Metacrisis Doctor. Um, and yeah, I can totally believe that Jackie wouldn't get on with the Metacrisis Doctor in all you know all the various bits that the episode brings up. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on it? I just thought it was really good. It was a second part of a kind of duology, wasn't it, with um, a couple of stories about Jackie and the Metacrisis yeah. Doctor. And they sort of, I thought it was really interesting, and they just sort of build upon each other and complement each other while being quite standalone. Um, yeah, yeah. Listening to Jackie is always uh, a gift, and it uh, it was really interesting work done with this new version of the Doctor, like treating him as something new and a bit confusing and a bit dangerous. That was just a really bold way to explore it and develop that storyline. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I hope it's territory that we kind of get to visit again at some point because uh, obviously we're getting sort of Rose's adventures in between Doomsday and Journey's End but I'm certainly not against sort of seeing what happens after Journey's End as well it's it's a tricky one um, because part of me wants it to be unknown I want to have that whole future be imagined and have it all left up to the sort of imagination trying to work out how all these two incredible characters make a life together it's almost doesn't seem it's the sort of thing that is more interesting without it being outright stated but i think the strength of these stories is that they were giving you just a little bit more it, this isn't the adventures of the metacrisis doctor and rose it's a, a exploration of putting two characters together and sort of seeing what sort of sparks fly from that um and I think that's so much more interesting than um, what would potentially be in a more obvious idea. Yeah, and I know what you mean. I was, before I'd heard them, I was wary going in of like, how much do I really want to know about about what the Metacrisis Doctor and Rose and, and Jackie and Pete and all of them, how much, what, like, what they go up to. But um, I think it got that balance ex exactly right. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. And I do like the references to, you know, him trying to build a TARDIS for himself and all that kind of thing as well. It 
it shows that that adventure does continue, that just because it's kind of left our universe, it doesn't mean those characters have stopped. And I like to think that Metacrisis Doctor and Rose do eventually get their own TARDIS and get to explore Pete's universe. Are we calling it Pete's universe? Yeah. Pete's world in Pete's world in Pete's universe. Pete's um, in it. The Pete verse. <laughs> the Pete verse. I like it. Um, so yeah, I, I like to think that we get to that they get to go and explore that, and whether we do or don't, sort of get to experience those adventures doesn't matter i guess it'd be nice i'm not against it anyway um so we come to tom's two picks what what short trips have you picked for us let's talk about an ocean of sawdust because that's for uh, it's a subscriber short trip so i'm going to be a bit more vague because i imagine less people have heard it and some people might still be making their way to it in the future um but it's it's an interesting story different to the ones we sort of talked about because it's it's sort of a puzzle box type of story and the, the doctor lands somewhere steps out and investigates a problem and it's not the kind of one that you can solve in advance of the doctor because of the way it's set up i mean the doctor knows way more than we ever can but it's this beautiful imagery of the Doctor finding a creature on its own and coming to understand it. You're very, is it very contained, very focused and beautifully written. Um, and it's sort of, while some of the companion, well, while some of the short trips have gone deeper into the companions or other characters, this is just talk, telling a story of a short trip um, where there isn't a huge scale of adventures it is just one of the shorter adventures in the doctor's life i i'd never heard it before in fact i didn't know anything about it when i went into it i just sort of downloaded it as the bonus release so there was there was no cover there was nothing and um it did take me a little while to work out which doctor was here sort of thing um I, I picked up eventually that it was the eighth doctor it was the eighth doctor wasn't it or yes i'm sure yes yeah because i never actually checked i just kind of listened to it and went oh it's the eighth doctor and assumed it was right i meant to google it but never did um but yeah what a sort of it's an odd listen it's a bit surreal and a bit strange and very sort of dark and even upsetting in places but yeah i I really enjoyed that and i genuinely believe it's not a story i would ever have kind of sought out or got around to listening to unless someone kind of prodded me into it so thank you for that you're very welcome um i did really enjoy it so what was your second choice tom there's been a few that i was sort of thinking about we could talk about but um the one that I'm thinking about at the moment is, again, just something else that does something interesting with the short trip format. And it's a bit like Iron the Master in that, that you're hearing from quite an iconic villain, um, how to win planets and influence people. Uh, that's the story uh, about the monk. And it's all sort of told in the point from the perspective. It's all told in the form of a seminar. The monk is up in front of everyone talking through his plans on world domination making money 
it's quite a light, funny story where the monk's frustration is just not being able to do his plans, just um, and just completely messing up, being fooled by the doctor. It gets funnier and funnier. I think Rufus Hounds plays a really great comic version of the monk. Um, I think his comic version of the monk works best in an interesting sort of style of story, which this sort of framework definitely provides. Um, yeah, I think it was my first induction to the character, and it was a really great way just to find another part of the Big Finish universe that I didn't before. See, I have to admit, it's one that I've never heard um, or even heard of, actually. Uh, my, my short trip's knowledge is nowhere near as good as I thought it was. Um, but again, it's the kind of story that I should just be all over. It sounds absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to go away and listen to it after this. Uh, have you heard it, Holly? I have, yeah. It's uh, not for a while, but it's it's... It's great fun. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, Hound is is great. Um, it's a very amusing script. Um, and yeah, I like I like how it plays with the format as well. Uh, yeah, it's good. You should get onto it. I will do. I shall report back in the near future, having fully listened to it. Um. Okay. Well, I guess we've kind of reached a point where. I'm just uh, going to open the floor and sort of put it out there. Is there any others you wish to discuss that we haven't mentioned previously? Um, yeah, so Twilight's End. That's a, I think it's released now as a rarity. It's a short story uh, putting the Doctor against Nimrod from the Project and the Forge series. Um, they're facing together one last time and it's just a brilliant kind of wrap up to that really in-depth and complicated and fiddly arc, which had, you know, one of the best villains in the universe. I think uh, I would stand by. Um, it's a way for those two characters just to face off one more time. It's quite contained. It doesn't do too much in terms of plot. Um, yeah, it's just using this uh, format to provide a little bit more to some characters that we wouldn't necessarily get to hear from again. And I think that's, just, again, a really exciting and clever use of this sort of format. With a short trip, you can do anything. You can be focused. You can explore stuff. And hearing from uh, Nimrod one last time, I think that's a well worth use of that form. I, I do think that it's... I love the fact that you know, the Forge arc was epic and went on for years and sort of it it was more than just the Forge arc as well. You know, it, it lent into the ongoing Evelyn storyline, the ongoing Hex storyline. Um, it led directly into a death in the family and the events of that. There was so much going on with all of that that I, I really liked the fact that in the end the sort of final showdown between the Doctor and Nimrod was this very sort of low-key conversation. Um, and yeah, I really liked how it played out, and I really liked sort of how it just sort of tied a bow on 
an arc that was effectively already finished. Uh, it just kind of, it was just the cherry on top of the, the cake, a nice extra little bit. I did thoroughly enjoy listening to it. Uh, have you heard it, Holly? I have, yeah. Um, I would agree with all of that. I, I'd i love to have heard it as a performed two-hander. Like, that would have been, it would have been so great. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got that that capstone to that whole arc at all in, in any form. And I think, uh, to be fair, Beth Thomas does a really good job. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Yeah, definitely enjoyable one. Are there any others you want to mention, Holly? Yeah, I've got a few things that I'll just I'll rattle through. Um, so I I really love Doctor Who that is like light on conflict, and I think I think the short trips are a really great range for that. So specifically, All Hands on Deck, which is kind of a stealth um, prequel to Susan's War, but it's 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 just it's just Susan uh, living her life for a bit, and these weird occurrences happening there's like uh a kind like an invasion of robot spiders but actually really harmless robot spiders and then before that you get uh this weird capsule that lands um in the school and starts leaking custard and it's like what the hell is going on and you you realize that these are all kind of distractions sent by the the eighth doctor to prevent her from joining the the time war and it's uh it's just it's a really lovely quite moving little story about about what she's been getting up to essentially and about the doctor trying to protect her and ultimately her making the decision to go back to Gallifrey because it's not on him to protect her anymore it's kind of her choice um but I love how how low stakes it feels right up until that reveal um and then I also love the kind of the short trips that are short trips because you could not get them on tv um specifically the Miss Puddle Murders, I don't know if either of you have heard it, but it's it's basically the fifth Doctor, Nyssa and Tegan in a whodunit that is populated by characters um, straight out of Beatrix Potter, which is as bizarre as it sounds, but it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. I love the, the tone. It's kind of heightened, but um, but somehow it just, it, you just go with it. It's uh, It's really good fun. And then very quickly, just a shout out to the the early short trip volumes, you know, you know where you got um, eight stories in one, like, two and a half hour-ish uh, volume, one story for each of the classic Doctors. And I just, I really enjoy that format. I, I prefer the longer ones, I think, on the whole. And obviously, you can go into a lot more depth, but I, I just like that I can listen to uh, a whole contained Doctor Who story in you know, like the time it makes me to make and drink a cup of tea in, in those volumes. I think it's a, it's a nice novelty. So, yeah. I was also going to mention All Hands on Deck um, purely because it's it's a pretty big story, actually. Yeah, it uh, you know, like you say, it's relatively con- conflict-free and it's, it's essentially, you know, Susan just moving on a little bit. Susan's been through absolute hell in the Eighth Doctor Adventures by this point. A lot of very horrible things have happened to her and um i absolutely love the fact that sort of this big transition from what happens in to the death to you know susan joining the time war is dealt with in a 
sort of 40 minute short trip it's it's really well done it's a really really it's a big important story because it's it's moving a character a very very important character into sort of a conflict that is very very unlikely to have a happy ending um, but it's also moving that character on in terms of development as well so yeah i'm a big fan of that one um and I think it's essential listening for anybody who sort of wants to follow that kind of ongoing relationship between the Eighth Doctor and his granddaughter. Um, and I'm going to do a quick mention of one that I did particularly enjoy despite not expecting to, uh, which was Regeneration Impossible. Um which is it's a multi-doctor story. It's 11 and 12, both performed by Jacob Dudman, uh, and they kind of have a little mystery to solve together. Uh, it's an awful lot of fun. I think it works really well. I think uh, Dudman's quite good, actually, as both doctors. His 11 is certainly stronger than his 12. I think that's a sort of generally uh, accepted opinion. Um, but yeah, it, it's really good just to hear those two doctors uh, interacting and working together, and to have a two-hander with both characters played by the same actor is just a bonkers but brilliant use of the short trip format. Um, I do really enjoy that one. Um, one more that I'd like to mention just before we move on is uh, deleted scenes. Uh, which is a um, second Doctor and Jamie story. Uh, it's narrated by Fraser Hines, and they basically land in very, very early days Hollywood. Um, I think it's 1908, about then it's set. And it's Jamie has a bit of a romance, and they just have a, a generally fun adventure, and it's got a nice little sort of emotional coda at the end where the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane make an appearance, and it's 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 just a beautiful, beautiful story. It's it's very low stakes. There's nothing big and sinister. It's just a very, it's a nice, strong story for Jamie, and I don't think we get to see sort of sensitive Jamie particularly often. So it was kind of lovely to witness it here. Have either of you heard it at all? I have. Yeah. Um. I was just gonna agree with you with it is a really great example of the kind of low stakes story that can only really be done in a short trip um yeah it's really it's really sweet it's a nice explosion of, of yeah, it's a different side to jamie that we don't normally see yeah thoroughly enjoyable stuff um okay uh I, we couldn't really do a short trips episode without just taking a minute to mention the um Paul Sprague the annual opportunity competition that Big Finish do which is obviously it's an open submission for writers to um submit a short trip and the winner of the pick gets produced um I know I've submitted stuff to it in the past uh, what about you guys have either of you two ever entered anything yeah, so this year was my third submission. Um, it's just sort of been like 
it's always a fun little exercise when these sort of things come up because it's quite a low stakes chance to sort of explore an idea that you wouldn't necessarily get to in other things. I mean, I do write my own sort of work. So when I'm coming to a short trip, I'm trying to think what is a Doctor Who story that I could tell that I wouldn't be able to in something completely original. So it's a really fun way of spending some time just thinking about what it is about Doctor Who and short trips that I love and what inspires me as a writer. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lovely, lovely little thing to do. And you always get some interesting results coming out of it. I, I find it quite nice because it's something that um, actually makes me stop and do some writing. And I spend a lot of time teaching people to write. It's part of my job. Uh, so it's very rare that I actually sit down and do any myself anymore. Um, and I'm going to do a shameless plug. I have actually got two books out, which you can find on Amazon and probably in a few good bookshops and a few equally good charity shops, I imagine. But um, it, it it's very rare that I actually write anything that's not towards my own novel series now, uh, indeed at all. So it's nice to kind of have this opportunity to just... It's just a nudge to do something a bit different. Uh, have you ever submitted anything, Holly? Uh, yeah, I have a, a couple of times, I think. Not, not this year. Um... But yeah, it's just, as you say, it's a really nice opportunity to think about, well, I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan, I'd be thinking about Doctor Who stories anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, to actually try and, and nail those down, uh, it's a good exercise, and it's, it is, you, you get some really good um, stories out of it, I think it's it's lovely that they do open it up to people who haven't necessarily had an opportunity before to get in any of their writing out there, otherwise, because you know, something like Landbound, I thought was was great, and I cannot now remember the name of the first one. You know, uh, River Fallen. Seven... Yes, River Fallen. Thank you. I think that's great as well. Um, and yeah, they've they've all been good. Um, so it's a lovely thing. Uh, I have to admit, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Last Day at Work as well uh, by Harry Draper, which was was it the third? I think. Um, yes, I think it was. Yeah. Of off the top of my head it was the first one when they sort of switched to the new cover format um and it's it's an absolutely mad idea it's it's essentially the adventure of the policeman that we see at the start of an unearthly child and it turns out that um he meets the doctor and jamie and it turns out he's actually an extension of the TARDIS, sort of part of the chameleon circuit, has created this this being, and it's such a a really clever idea. But it's the fact that it plays with literally the first thing you ever see in Doctor Who, um, and just turns it into this wild concept. I think it really sort of highlights just how brilliant Doctor Who is as a this sort of amazing versatile format that literally the very first image in the series can become a whole story of its own. Um, particularly excellent, yeah. So before we finish, let's do our semi-regular section. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys what you've been listening to lately. So uh, Holly, you go first. Uh, I've been a bit behind, but I, I caught up on um, Back to Earth, 
the Night of Doctor Adventures and just really quickly, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I especially loved Station to Station and this is a cop-out, but basically agree with everything that uh, Tom, other Tom, I'm saying other Tom now, <laughs> said on your, uh, your your special, your, your bonus episode about that. I thought it was uh, really good. And I also did Waterworlds finally, which... Um, Felt really old school, big finish somehow in its sensibilities, but in a really, in a really nice way. It was somehow weirdly refreshing. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought Hebe was a great addition as well. And uh, we we can look forward to sort of the continuations of both the Ninth Doctor and Sixth Doctor adventures in the next month. It's quite Indeed. exciting. In fact, they could be out by the time this goes out. That's the second time I've said that today. Um, Tom, what about you? I'm listening to some classic doctors meet some new monsters. What what box set is that in, Tom? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I might have to check. <laughs> but yeah, it's a I lot of fun. It, is, it, is, it, is it like the Out of Time ones or something like that? Yeah. I think it might be Week. old doctors new creatures i don't know um yeah something like that it's quite fun it's a bit reminiscent of short trips and that is an anthology sort of series just trying to do something quite contained and a new side to some monsters that we might be familiar with um yeah it's quite a lot of fun yeah we uh had a lot of nice things to say about it in our uh july releases episode <laughs> um it was definitely a favorite of jay's which anyone who's who's heard that episode will know. Um, I've been plodding on with The Adventures of Bernice Summerfield, which is all new to me, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, I've just listened to uh, The Crystal of Cantus, which is a Cyberman story, and it's definitely sort of propelled the ongoing storyline forward quite a distance. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see where that goes, and it's... uh, I'm enjoying it, but I feel as though it's my last kind of big piece of Doctor Who big finish that I need to listen to. It's the last big series that's left. Um, other little bits to mop up on, but um, yeah, it's it's really nice. I'm really enjoying it. It's it's always good to have something new and Doctor Who related, uh, which is why you know we keep coming back to big finish week after week, month after month, and why we talk about it on a podcast. I imagine. Very true. Okie dokie. Well, uh, that is what we've got time for today. It's been great talking about short trips with you guys. Uh, But for now, I will say goodbye and thank you to Tom. Goodbye. And I will say goodbye and thank you to Holly. Goodbye. Thank you. And we will be back again next week. Goodbye now. Goodbye.